1: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. I have a very special guest today. We're doing an interview, and this is what I was just sharing with her. These are sometimes my most um, fearsome, loathsome, and exciting podcasts because Shireen and I have no prior relationship, and we've always <laughs> spoken for probably 30 seconds, and it's always fun to sort of self-discover um, and sort of get ahead of our skis talking about things because you never know what the other person is going to say. So those are always fun. It's like meeting a new person for the first time. So, Shireen, welcome to today's podcast.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, so, tell them a little bit about where you sell. Let's just, you know, give them basic information. I uh, I really appreciate the email you sent me ahead of time, uh, talking about your production. Your you've been one of the things I was most impressed with you about you, rather, is that you've been successful for a long period of time. You've been selling a large amount, you know, multi-million dollars worth of property, tens of millions of property for years and years. You're one of the most successful agents in Portland. So tell them a little bit about your business, a a little bit about your background, whatever you think might be um, of interest. And then also, I would really appreciate it, and this is voluntary, if you would give your cell phone number because this podcast is typically listened to between I, know, I mean, on a slow weekend day, it's maybe 10 or 15, but this today, on, during the week, it's probably going to be 20 to 35,000 will listen to it. So I, I'm telling you that because be prepared for calls and texts because <laughs> you know, they will reach out to you. So it's up to you whether you want to give your, your cell phone or not, but it, please do answer the, the preliminary question.
2: Absolutely, I'm I'm happy to do so. Thanks again for having me. Um, so it's uh, Shireen Beltran. My husband Jamie and I run a team in Portland, Oregon. Um, we've been selling real estate since 2007. So, if anybody remembers that year? Um, we started at a really good time, kind of you know took off, and then went you know market went straight down. So, we uh, <laughs> we always say we we cut our teeth on a very exciting time in real estate. Let's just say we uh, we learned how to roll up our sleeves work really hard, and um, we made a lot of mistakes, which was also kind of fun, but our learning curve was really fast. So that's who we are. Um, my cell, I'm very happy to give it out. I will say I'm a texter, so if you want to text me, I would love it. I answer all of my texts. It's 503 area code, 502-5536.
1: Well, so you said something, and it's actually one of the questions I love asking people, and I normally don't ask this right away, but you mentioned mistakes that you made. So if you were talking to the Shireen from, you know, more than 10 years ago, does it feel like 10, more than 10 years ago? Isn't that crazy, by the way? You know, 15 years it really ago? Does. If you does. If you were talking to that wonderful gal from all those forever ago, and you were to give her advice as to what mistakes she needs to avoid making um, with your present knowledge base, what would be the top three things you would tell her to look out and avoid?
2: Um, well, you know, I think the first thing I would tell her and her husband is, you know what, how you do your business is your business. And we, I think, often get stuck chasing what other people suggest and following certain guidelines and trying to stay in model and, you know, certain things that perhaps somebody else is kind of influencing us to uh, to do and behave a certain way. Um, and you know, I guess Jamie and I, we've, we've always been a little bit rebellious, and um, we just kind of do what we want to do. <laughs> we want to do it the way we want to do it, and um, our focus has always been on the client and always taking care of them. Um, so I would just say follow who you are and do your business the way you want to do your business.
1: You are blowing my mind right now because I you, – you, do you listen to podcasts? Do you normally <laughs> listen to our podcast?
2: You know, I've listened to it a few times, but I'll—I'll I'll be honest. I'm—I'm I'm more of a reader, and um, oh. my my girlfriend turning me on in to the world. <laughs> I know, right? It—it <laughs> it, it, it is irony. I know it's very ironic, but she turns me on to podcasts. She sends me things here and there, and honestly, this is—you know—I'm—I'm I'm jumping ahead of the mistakes and into like the future, um, Shireen. But. But you you just said something influence on that. (laughs)
1: You 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 just said something, and don't worry, our podcast listeners know that we pop around a lot. They're they're very patient with my lack of attention, especially when I've been fully caffeinated, which I am. You said something that just blew my mind. You said what we have rallied against forever in our books and our coaching and whatnot is don't let somebody Mm -hmm. co-op your dreams and your potential. Don't let somebody else replace what your motivation was for getting in the business with something that Mm -hmm. benefits them versus you. That is what you are sort of walking around. So I'm really curious, and then we'll get to the other two points. I'm really curious when you said what you just said, where was that coming from? And and remember, listeners, I don't know anything about her, but I think I know what she's about to talk about. (laughs)
2: You know, um it was okay so i'm I'm happy to like back up a little bit and just say mm-hmm. we we are who we are, and when you're in your own you know authentic place, coming from just genuine you know contribution or whatever your you know whatever floats your boat, whatever like puts wind in your sails, when you're coming from that position, you're gonna be successful, so I guess we were pretty young coming into the business. We, we, we both had previous careers. We had no intention of growing a real estate, you know, empire. We, you know, we kind of like fell into it, to be honest. It wasn't like, Oh, this perfect plan. And here we go. Step one, step two, step three. But um, when we did get in, we started going, okay, well, what do we do next? And, you know, we got a coach and, you know, these things that are genuinely good for you as a business person, but, We didn't really stop and go, okay, what is our why? How are we going to do this? And who are we? And who are we as a company? Um, We just kind of just started doing it. You know, very entrepreneurial. We just kind of went for it, right? So even though that can work, right, I think my, again, myself now talking to my, you know, previous self would say, figure that out first and stick to it. Stick to your why. Stick to how you want to do it.
1: Let me interject a question here. So, um, and thank you for that. So, you were with Keller Williams when you originally started in real estate, correct?
2: Um, no, actually, we were with um, uh, we were with Coldwell Banker first. Okay. And um, so, was, again, husband and wife team. I was definitely behind the scenes. Jamie is the sales guy. He's the one that's like out with the people. He's the personality. I'm just like process and you know behind the scenes kind of gal. So we started 2007, 8, 9, 10, and we kept winning, you know, their awards, so we'd get the plaque and blah, 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 but we weren't coming anywhere near our own personal goals, and we felt Mm. like we were just, you know, just going through the motions, like doing what the coach said, okay, next, 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 and we kept getting all these accolades, and I remember it was like 2010 or 11, and we got another top producer award, and honestly, I got pissed. Because I was like, if I have to dust another stupid plaque, that means, like, nothing to us and our family, and, like, we're financially just struggling, you know? Um, I was just, I don't know. We, we just kind of hit the end of the the end of the road there. And that's when we, you know, my husband had been heavily recruited from, K, you know, by KW for years. And um, we finally went over and, and took a meeting, and I was like, oh, this place makes sense. They're going to teach us how to actually run the business. And that's when we switched over. So, so we were with KW from 2011 until um, just this last year.
1: Okay, and so when you were at KW, you were obviously, I don't know, it's probably true with all offices across the world, really, is getting a lot of pressure to form teams and do branding and websites and build your complicated lead follow up system and (laughs) CRMs. And I mean, in essence, you walked into the beehive of activity of things you should be doing that aren't necessarily what's financially best for you if your goal is to make a high profit margin. That was the, and that's a lot of people, you know, it's a turnoff to a lot of people. Because they're given constant pressure to, well, you've got to go to the next level. Your goal is to have a seventh-level mm-hmm. business. And then the, mm-hmm. what we get as coaches, and I have a feeling this is what you and I were talking about, is what we get as coaches is we hear the other side of that, where people, agents, great, wonderful people, feel like failures because they did a team that blew mm-hmm. up. They did the marketing. It never worked. And they think the problem was them, and then they listen to our podcast or read one of our books and they realize, oh, you know what, I guess maybe it wasn't me, it was the path I was on, and, why? and then they're yeah. pissed at themselves for allowing somebody else to influence them, and then they look back <laughs> all the wasted years and money on pursuing these stupid ideas. I that's kind of where a lot of these guys that are listening, that's where the, the path that they follow, and they come back to reality that the point of being in real estate is to be a service to other people. Oh, and to, by the way, make a profit. So with that profit, you can reinvest it and exactly. become rich. Okay, so that resonates with you then. That's what I figured.
2: <laughs> yes, it's- thousand percent yes. Um, in fact I'm, I'm in my home office right now. I'm staring at my stack of books because again I'm a reader. And the one sitting on top which is what I'm reading currently is called Profit First. Right? Oh so, here you go. Let's yeah, right? Like let's let's put the yeah put the court, cart. Let me, let in me the give the right you another place, let right? me give
1: you another great book. Write this one down. This wasn't this one isn't one of ours, but I love it. It's the antithesis of what essentially most agents are thinking it takes to be successful. But that's one of the reasons I love this book. It's that profits mm-hmm. aren't everything; they're the only thing. Profits aren't everything; they're the only thing. So, so just a bottom line, okay. listeners. Please stop allowing other people to dictate to you what your definition of success should be. That's just stupid. Okay, as she said, more plaques and whatnot, but some of you are even making worse mistakes and believing that you have to do teams and expansion teams. And then she was, you know, financially sober enough to say, guess what, we're not making enough money, we're not accomplishing our financial goals, even though this industry is telling us we're successful, we're not successful by our own definition. And that's something that a lot of you guys need to have the courage to admit, is that you're not on a path that's going to lead to you any place that you want to be financially, and that is up to you to change that path, because your uh, broker or your the environment or the brand or whatever they want you to spend all this money, they want you to form teams, they want you to do all that. Because when you're all of a sudden trying to form a team, what are you doing? You're recruiting agents that ultimately benefits the broker and the brand. You're doing the heavy lifting in the brokerage, which is, you know, you guys use your brains. Why did you get in this business? You got in this well, why did you get in this business? And we'll go back to the last two things that you wish you could tell the uh old version of you.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, um I, I feel like you, you've just taken so many words right out of my mouth. I'm like, Yes, 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 I'm standing here nodding. That's exactly right. Um so we got into the business again, 2007. Um, really, my husband and I we we were investors first, and um, we both had previous careers. Um, he was in management, and I was a freelance writer. And we would, you know, buy and flip, and we just thought we knew everything about the market because we were so savvy, right? Um, and, of course, anybody could, you know, buy and flip and sell a house in, you know, 2003, 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that was our, that was our uh, limited uh, perspective. But we got, I got my license first. Um, we went w- with a small boutique brokerage, um, and my husband got his license right after. We were still in the process of growing our family, and so he was definitely full-time, and I was part-time. You know, we stopped, had a kid. Um, kid number two, actually, at that time, and then um, switched over to Coldwell Banker because, of course, at that time we thought, oh, well, we need, like, a large, stable ship because that's how you get through, you know, a rough real estate market um, because what had happened with our small brokerage is they had quickly folded within, you know, three or four months of us of us starting. Um, so that's our history. And, again, let's see, another mistake we made. Um, I think really buying into... What the what, – what our coaches were saying, you know, this is working for other people, so it should work for you, and that word should. Well, like what? You be know, specific. Kind of
1: what, yeah. were the, what were the I'm dumbest be, things okay. they told you to do?
2: Build an ISA organization. You need callers. You need a staff. I mean, we had, (laughs) we have a beautiful office, you know, I, I, I love it. It's gorgeous. We've got, you know, beautiful high ceilings and, you know, floor to ceiling windows. And we set up like a whole call center, basically. And I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars just pouring into, you know, person after person after person. And, that was that was that was probably the most expensive and dumbest mistake, and and I, I take full credit for this mistake because, you know, I I was always a good student. I was just like, okay, yeah, the teacher says, okay, yeah, let's do this, you know, and I just follow the rules and here we go, right? And my head. Can I ask the you questions like about this. that? It's the dumbest thing,
1: yeah. I I. First of all, I want to sincerely thank you, and I mean this as much as I possibly can, with being so <laughs> freaking honest right now. I love it. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Why did you not – how could you, in retrospect, have actually done homework on that idea before you followed it? And, guys, just so you know what she's talking about. And this was a fad that – and a lot of these ideas are fads, you know, the ISA thing. Here's the idea. Here, well, you you explain. What's the concept? Tell them uh, how it's supposed to work. Tell them how it really works, <laughs> and then explain if you know. And I think you will explain. You know, in retrospect, talking to the old version of you, how you would have gone about finding out that idea was bullshit in the first place.
2: Well, I think okay. So an ISA department, inside sales agent or OSA, outbound sales, whatever you want to name it and call it. Basically, a team of telemarketers. Right, um, who sit in a room and dial for dollars and basically set appointments for you, right? They're supposed to call fisbos and expireds and you know you know door you know just circle prospecting all of the above, and um, I think the reason we bought into it was because we were told, you know multiple times over from many stages and many different coaches and many you know many many different types of uh, communication that this is working and that this is what people are doing, and yet I think. I think there's just a lot of smoke and mirrors in this business. And I think that they trot people along stages saying this person does it this way. So you can too. Um, And I'm not saying that it's not successful, but I think the odds of it being successful are very, very, very small. And at least for us here in Oregon, we have, you know, we have pretty strict rules that if you're going to call and talk about real estate, you have to be licensed. So here we are hiring licensed agents who, you know, typically by nature are very entrepreneurial and sales, you know, they're salespeople. The last thing they want to do is sit in a cubicle and dial for eight hours a day. So it's hard to find good, you know, people who would actually be successful at that in the first place. And then if they are, it's really hard to hang on to them. So that's what I'm talking about, wasting so so much money, right?
1: Right, but this is a really good drill down because you can use the same story with a billion of these different little scammy ideas that have been mm-hmm. dropped out the agents over the years. But here's, here's the other one that's interesting. Is a lot of times what they'll do is they'll tell you to hire uh, Filipinos or you know virtual assistants to do the same prospecting, mm-hmm. and what she just said is still true. You're having illegal conversations, and you hired these ISAs to go make these calls for you. But ultimately, guys, the reason none of this stuff works is because it's not it, the the money isn't there the profit sucks, so mm-hmm. I asked her a question and and I want you to help me you know drill down with all of our listeners in now, when you're making a decision business wise. What is the litmus test? What filter do you have to put it through before you decide to do it? Is it not profit? Isn't that the thing you're looking for the most before you just succ- you know succumb to some new fancy, shiny, pretty object? You're looking to see what the actual profitability is, and then you you make that thing prove itself. Is that not true? Absolutely. Just talk about that. Well,
2: so I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a. I'm a nerd. I'm a research nerd. I'm going to find out as much as I can beforehand. I'm going to read a lot of books. I'm going to listen to podcasts now, because now I'm a podcast person. Um, I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to interview other agents. I'm going to talk to other people and be like, okay, well, did this really work? And what I found over the last like two years that we really started paying closer attention, I should say, is a lot of agents don't know what their profitability is on a certain item. Right. Right. I'm like, okay, well, did the postcards work? Well, yeah, I think so. Well, how did they work? How many did you send? You know, what was, you know, what's your proof? And so about two years ago, um, I, you know, I started looking at our P&Ls going, okay, what is on, you know, basically everything was on the chopping block if it wasn't returning. And you know, I I took everything into account and we're looking at, you know, what are are we spending on our websites? What are we spending on, you know, our online lead gen? What are we spending on our, you know, print marketing, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, one of the things that kept coming up was our cap. And um, I said, well, gosh, you know, Gary Keller says, you know, if you don't have like a 4X return on something, then maybe it's not worth it, right? And I'm looking at, okay, we have a team at this point, and we've got an expansion team, and so our expansion team pays a full cap like we do. And we were spending over $110,000 a year in cap for everybody on our team, right? So I looked at that and I was like, is that returning to us four times? And if I couldn't actually that's really, honestly I, say I, yes, that,
1: that's kind of, <laughs> Shireen, that's actually kind of genius what you just said. You know, it actually is. That's a really funny thing you just said. <laughs> but do you mind if we take? Do you mind if we take a half step back though before we start talking about the brokerage into things? Because I really think sure. that um, you are onto something, and I think our listeners are going. They're salivating to hear more. Um, and please, I, you're obviously you're not going to. I'll I'll throw in the. Um, Slap up side the head truth, and you can just say your version of it so you don't have to worry about pushing yourself too far ahead of your skis and making yourself uncomfortable when I ask some of these questions. But when you go to real estate events and there's people on stage who are talking about all these whiz bang ideas and just trying to make puff themselves up for the sake of ego, and you know now because you've learned that those things and those people are probably not making any profit, why do you think why is it that those people allow those people to go on stage? What is it that's – what's at the root of all this? I, I have a feeling you've thought about this.
2: Well, okay, so let me see if I understand your question. Are you asking me why are people putting them on stage or why are they putting – or why are they allowing themselves on stage, like the agents themselves? No, I know or? why they're
1: allowing themselves on stage is ego. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the industry right now is, in, is incestuous in that there's so many different ways that people that are holding events – Are making money that the agent basically becomes the deer in the headlights, not knowing who to trust and who not to trust. There's a better, maybe, way of saying it. How do you now know who to trust? Be specific. You said you talked to agents, but agents oftentimes don't know their numbers. And by the way, I'm sure you've learned that when you start pressing agents for, you spent you know, 50000 on a website, what business did you get from it? Well, they're not going to tell you because they probably don't know, or if they do know they've gotten no business from it, they don't want to admit that they made a mistake. So where do you, how do you go, what's the litmus test ultimately to decide whether or not you're going to make a business decision that requires spending money? Is it the four times thing?
2: Um, well, it, it has to at least return twice in, in, my, okay. in my world, right? It has to at least return twice um, if I can measure it. If I can't measure it, then it needs to be something that I absolutely know that time-wise and leverage-wise, it'll be worth it. Um, you know, my background is, you know, advertising and marketing, and I know that sometimes it's difficult to quantify you know, did that one newspaper ad that we ran, you know, did it really return? We had a special phone number and blah, blah, blah. You know, so there's sometimes there's things that are difficult to say, okay, did this return or did it not return um, as far as, you know, an actual dollar figure. So I do understand that that, you know, it does get a little fuzzy sometimes, but um, I like to look at it and go, okay, is it going to return twice? Great. If it's If it's over that, it's gravy. I'm shooting for four. But if I, you know, again, if I hit twice, I'm good.
1: Okay, that's a good answer. So what are the things that now that you're looking at your business through the uh, looking glass of a business professional who wants to drive as much profit to the bottom line as humanly possible, what are the things that you have stopped doing or would never consider doing? um or if an age you know mem- remember let's go back to the original premise you're talking mm-hmm. to the the primal version of you you know 15 years ago what would what would you tell that person not to even be enchanted by as far as you know things that you wasted your money on or seeing other agents waste money on
2: well i think buying online leads is a huge piece of that we cut our spend back oh gosh like I I don't even know. It's basically almost (laughs) zero at this point. (laughs) And um, part of that was, you know, we have contracts that we're stuck in. So we're still, you know, we're still in that. But the other part of it is I think we get we get kind of like we get stuck in the mindset of we got to feed our teams. Right. So what are we going to do to feed our teams? And, um, you know, we really took a step back and we're like, well, the way that we feed our team is by teaching them how to go out and prospect and do a great open house so that they can meet five people and they can turn that into five more, you know? So our focus has really shifted away from spoon feeding our agents, all these little, you know, little, here's a lead, here's a lead, here's a lead and really like, okay, here's what we're going to do this week. You know, what are you going to do to get out in front of people and really just more coaching style. So again, getting away from the online leads and spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month on those that's one of the things that we we cut out
1: yeah and then you also mentioned a lot of other things too and i, I think it's really important that you guys listen to what she said and read those books she mentioned a great book and profits aren't everything the only thing is another great book it's not a book that is. you know i've recommended that book a million times and i've it's the only book i've ever suggested Uh, Where sometimes the response is negative, where people literally will, you know, oh I didn't like it because of this. Well, the reality of it is, Mm -hmm. is that you're in business, listeners, to make a profit, and with that profit, you obviously take care of your family, have a nice life, you know, donate money to the charities, all that stuff. But you also are then supposed to have enough profit left over that you can reinvest that money, so that you can have passive income. So some, one day your passive income mm-hmm. hypothetically will more than cover your own personal overhead. That's the whole reason that 99% of you got into the business. Maybe it was because you didn't want you to have a boss. Maybe it was because you wanted to, you know, be an entrepreneur. Maybe whatever, whatever, those reasons as well. But I promise you, none of you got into the business to have a team or have an expansion team or buy moving trucks or have a fancy website. None of you that when you get into the this business that all the people try to start selling you all this stuff, telling you that you need that stuff, and then ultimately, and we're going to turn the corner here in a second, and ultimately what happens is you don't have enough business experience to know whether or not the thing is bullshit or not. So what do you, what do, you do? You go to conferences and you list to other people who've also been sold into the same fantasy, and you're in this echo chamber of essentially this downward spiral of spending more money on things. And she said something really important. You know, she had these buyers agents, and these buyers agents didn't know how to prospect. They didn't know how to proactively regenerate. So then she's stuck in this another paradigm, another paradigm, which results in no profit. Where she has to start feeding the team. She has to spend money. She, her and her husband Jamie, they have to spend, all- and there goes their profit. There goes the money they would have used to spoil their family and take their kids to Disney World and have some financial security. It's off. Okay, guys, you see how it's insane, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> Every single one
1: of you need to be pissed if you're not making seventy five to eighty five percent net profit margin off your business, and so that should be the new standard for real estate that everyone should teach, but they won't because they all are trying to sell you all this ancillary stuff that you really don't need all right, so I was interested in you know you guys left um Keller Williams and you guys went to exp why
2: correct um well, in a word, uh, profit.
1: There you okay. go.
2: You know, uh, there's there's so many different – there's so many whys, to be honest. There's really so many different whys. Um, again, when we started really drilling down and looking at our P&Ls and really scrutinizing everything, we're like, okay, it, here's another little tiny example, but this is how this is how thorough I was when I was looking at them. I got rid of our landlines. I was like, why are we paying – uh, you know, it, we weren't even paying very much, honestly. Like we had a landline at the office and I was like, why? So even today when, um, when I was supposed to call into the podcast, I'm like, oh, you should be on the landline. Well, you know what? We don't even have landlines because I got rid of them because nobody was using them. I didn't want to pay for it anymore. So I'm calling in on my cell phone. So hopefully you guys can still hear me. It okay, sounds perfect. But that's a yeah, detail, it sounds perfect. right? That's a detail, yeah. a good example. And, um, so we looked at profits. We wanted to, we wanted to net more. But here's the other thing. We did build a team. We do have a team. We have amazing agents. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do for retention? What am I going to do for growth, right? I care about these people. These people are awesome, and they work hard. And if I'm not spoon-feeding them business, you know, why did I bring them into the business? Well, I brought them in to train them and grow them and help them, you know, launch into their own careers, right? So, but also, hold on, XP, uh,
1: uh, Shireen. Yeah. But Shireen, ultimately though, what you just what you just said is a little bit of the touchy feely stuff that a lot of people tell you you're supposed to say. Yeah. But I think the real Shireen would say, I hire, I built a team so the team will then produce a profit for us, thus making it for a sound business. Am I stepping on your toes, or is that a true statement?
2: That that is definitely a true statement. But here's the thing: I don't hire just anybody. I hire people right. that I like and care about. So you know it there's definitely some touchy feely going on over here too. You know, I am definitely still. (laughs) (laughs) still That's okay. Touchy feely is good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we still have some of that over here, but you know, it, it is true. I don't bring people on to have them fail. I bring them on to have them be successful so that they can help our business grow. And, you know, but at the same time, I'm not just churning and burning. I'm not bringing anybody in the door. I'm really picky. Um, you know, I say things like, hey, this is, a, you know, this is a business that we built up, and it's basically my last name is going to be on your jersey, so you, you, know, you better represent, right? So, again, mm-hmm. I'm not going to just bring any, anybody that has a pulse, right? So I do, I, do, I do genuinely want these people to be successful. A, it adds to our bottom line, but B, it's a promise that I've made. And even the way that we do our business, you know, we're very customer-focused. And it just, people say you're supposed to be, but we actually are like, even, you know, here's a great example. We've never once used a buyer broker agreement. So many coaches would be like, that's a mistake. You're going to lose business. You're going to, and I was like, you know what? If somebody doesn't want to work with us, then so be it. You know, you're released, like go work with somebody else. That's great. Absolutely. There's plenty of business out here. I don't need to like grab and, you know, I don't know. I don't need to sign you on, you know, and your name on a, on a contract to make sure you work with me. So again, it, you know, it is kind of twofold, right? We bring these people in, we want them to be successful because a we're wasting our, our, you know, resources training them if they're not successful, but B if they're, if they're doing great and they're doing well, then I have a sense of accomplishment about that because I am about the person and it's pretty awesome to see them take off and flourish and with retention and with, you know, how do we feed them how do we give them raises when all of those questions come into play when you're a business owner you you think about that really seriously and you're like okay what can i do to give a raise when my bottom line doesn't allow for it you know okay, what, so, what do but, i do okay so but
1: to this just so the listeners know what you're under, i understand what you're saying and it makes, I, I like it so what you're saying is that one of the advantages to you as someone who has a uh, maturing real estate business uh, that, w- that has multiple facets and income streams and has, uh, you know, you're, you have staff and all the rest of it, is you have a tool for retention because of EXP. One of the biggest problems, listeners, with teams, and a lot of you know this from personal experience, mm-hmm. is as soon as people reach a certain level of efficiency, in other words, they know what they need to know to be successful without you, they are going to leave and they're either going to you know, start their own team, and now yeah, what you've done is you've grown a competitor. And so with EXP, Mm -hmm. when you're joining EXP as even a brokerage, frankly, or a small team or any size team, you have a retention tool that no other brokerage offers. Then, and here's the kind of – this is an advanced way of thinking about it. Let's say that they foster this wonderful agent. This agent becomes a powerful listing agent. You know, the agent is under them as, at their team, and next year the agent decides to leave. It happens all the time. Well, that agent mm-hmm. is going to stay with the EXP because of reasons we don't need to talk about, but chances are they're going to stay with DXP. The and then Shireen is still going to get a benefit of all the work she put into teaching that agent how to be successful because of the revenue share model. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a cool thing. So a lot of teams can use the, um, the benefit of the, all the tools that uh, EXP gives you as a way to help retain mm-hmm. agents. But even if they do decide to leave, you still, have a, you still get paid a residual on the effort you put forth in training that person to be a decent agent. So that's something that's unique that a lot of you guys need to explore. By the way, um, a lot of you are eXp curious already. I know that. If you're interested in watching a quick seven-minute video on eXp, all you've got to do is text the word eXp to 31996. Text the word eXp to 31996. So why else did you move over to eXp? What were the uh, more reasons? I, I get the f- f- from a team brokerage perspective. Yes. That makes total and complete sense. But what were the other reasons?
2: Well, you know, um, so one thing that I didn't mention, I grew up overseas, um, met my husband in Hmm. Southern California. We moved to Oregon. We're very international. We're very, I've always wanted to live abroad again. And one of the things that's really exciting and really compelling about a company like EXP is there's really no borders for expansion. Um, And with it being as young as it is, there's a lot of opportunity ahead. Um, for, you know, opening new countries and things like that. So that's something that I'm really passionate about personally, and that that really floats my boat.
1: Well, so let's talk about that a little bit because that's such a big idea. So what you're saying is you and your husband now can look forward to potentially building up uh, your own uh, revenue expansion team. I mean, we're mixing terms here, but that's the essence of it. That's internationally based. What a lot of people don't realize with eXp is when you sponsor somebody to become an eXp agent – it doesn't matter what state they're in, because EXP is licensed in all states, licensed, I think, of all of Canada now, expanding to Australia, expanding to England. But when you're with EXP, you can sponsor agents anywhere in those markets and beyond as they continue to grow. You don't just have to work with the agents that are local to you in your individual market. You can find agents all over the United States, certainly, and expanding to be part of your revenue share team, which is really exciting. You know, that's something that's different that, again, is, uh, creates an alternative path forward well this look there's a that's really I think that's really kind of the bottom line in my mind for a lot of agents is most of them will never be able to have any sort of financial independence beyond selling just doing transactions and now that you know you have a path forward through the potential building of your revenue share and all the other wonderful things eXp offers to agents what does that mean to you? How does that feel for you? Because you're obviously a smart person. Oh. When you, well, here, here's a, let me reframe <laughs> it. When you real, when you realized the potential of the EXP revenue share, and we don't have to give any specific numbers, but I'm just curious. Did you believe it right away, or did you think maybe it had to be wrong? There's no way it was this good.
2: <laughs> That's a great question. Okay, so on one hand, I'm I'm an eternal optimist. So I tend to, you know, and I'm also a high D, if you haven't noticed, I just go for it. I'm like, yes, let's do this. This is awesome. You know, um, and then I have surrounded myself because I am smarter. <laughs> I've realized, okay, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the only one. And there's other people who are actually much smarter than I am. I've, smar- I've surrounded myself with other very intelligent people. So I run things through them, right? I give it to, I give it to one person, I'm like, what do you think of this? I give it to another person, I say, what do you think about this? And so it took us about a year, honestly, of researching and um, really looking behind the scenes. And, you know, we went pretty high up straight into the leadership and really were asking high-level questions um cuz i also knew okay if this if this is something that we were really going to do you know there's costs associated when you move a team you know just the branding and marketing all of that alone and you know i just wanted to make sure that we weren't going to just be doing this you know over and over again right i just wanted to do it once so we did do our research we did do a lot of digging and yes i believed it um but i don't think i realized even at the at the beginning just how big of an opportunity it truly was um or how quickly things would change. I mean, we've only been with the company for ten months, and we've already seen it just absolutely, you know, blow up. So I think I think more and more that people look at it, they're going to be probably similar like what we were maybe when we first looked at it. Like I, I don't know if it's really true. Is this is this really possible? But um, so far for us, the numbers have been true. You know, I, one of the things that I asked. Originally, is like, okay, well, what is your, what is your attrition rate? Because not everybody's going to stay. We know that, right? And I guess, you know, generally across the country, any brokerage, you know, it's, it's Remax, it's Coldwell, it's KW, you know, you're, you're around 30 to 40%. And That's right. when we started, right, at EXP, I, I asked, I was like, well, what is yours currently? And they were hovering around 9%. That's still where it is. I asked
1: that very question the other day on a different interview, just (laughs) hearing it's 8%, but we have to define that for listeners because they're not going to know what that means. That means most brokerages lose 30 to 40% of their agents per year, and you have to assume those agents are leaving not because they're making so much money and experiencing so much success. They're leaving because of the exact opposite. And then EXP, which has been around for, what, 10 years more than that now, they have an average attrition rate of less than 10%, which means that the agents are happy where they are. They're successful. They're making money. They found what they were looking for in a brokerage environment. So just frame it so that you guys can understand what that re- those attrition numbers really mean. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. And I guess for us, the other thing that was a lovely surprise is, you know, you asked me how does that feel, um, it's, it's strangely freeing. And we didn't like, here's the thing. We were not unhappy where we were. We were thriving. I mean, we were the, we were one of the top three, four, you know, three, four, five, one of the top teams year after year in our brokerage, in our market center. And we thought we were killing it, you know, cause here, I mean, you know, we did, we've taken some amazing vacations, you know, we're, we're, you know, funneling funds to our kids' retirement. You know, we're doing all the things that we were told that are supposed to work, right? So we weren't unhappy looking to leave something, but I just knew that there was more, and I felt like there was a lot of smoke and mirrors. So when we started looking and really digging, um, the, the side benefit that we didn't maybe realize at the time was just how liberating it feels to be in a company That really supports us doing business our way with our own systems and tools and we're celebrated and not only are we celebrated for doing that, we're rewarded for doing that. Um, And we're rewarded financially, but also in ownership. And I don't know, like I can't even describe how that really feels. It just feels, it feels right. You know, it feels authentic. It feels true.
1: It, you know, we, you're talking about something I've tried to express before. You've done it so much more elegantly than I do. But there is a weird something in the air at eXp, when, mm-hmm. even in the virtual, you know, in the world, in the virtual world. But when you go to an eXp event, it's like you're t- – obviously, Julian, I've been to a billion real estate events. We've been in as attendees. Mm-hmm. We've been on presenting. We've done our own – and there's always a sort of underlying discontent at any kind of real estate event. But when you go to an re- eXp event – it's not there. It does, I don't sense it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time we went to one, they invited us down to one in San Antonio or wherever. It was, you know, maybe a year and a half ago. And by the way, we'd said no to them for five or six years, too, just like it sounds like you did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we went to this event. Julie and I were walking around, and we were expecting the normal sort of, you know, but it wasn't like that. People were, like, genuinely happy to be amongst each other. And then I – and on the way mm-hmm. back up, it was like a two-hour drive. I was talking to Julie about it, and she said – it's because you know she's like she's like you. She's you know she goes, uh, Tim. You know she was saying it in her nice, hey, you're a dumbass tone of voice. I don't know if you have one of those with your husband, but Julie <laughs> has one of those with me. <laughs> she goes, um, never, never. it's because it's because they're making revenue share and they are either uh, financially secure, covering all their personal overhead, or they're on their way to doing it and you know it was so obvious because that's what it is the tension of having to be solely commissioned based transactionally based as far as your source of income for a lot of these people wasn't there anymore now they weren't making mm-hmm. billions of dollars most of them were making 5000 maybe 3000 or 7000 per month but it was money that they could use to give themselves a, a sense of financial security and she was right that's mm-hmm. what it was And so the stress of having to wake up every morning and worrying about not necessarily the next month but the month after that or worrying about your Mm -hmm. kids' 529s or worrying about your own retirement or worrying about paying for that marketing bill or all these other expenses – it probably was there, but it wasn't the most dominant emotion that was in that room. People weren't leaving to answer their cell phones, for example. Listeners, if you you know, that's the thing that's always annoying about real estate events is everyone's t- clicking away or running out of the room to take a call. That was it wasn't going on there. People were more relaxed. It was fun. So yeah. there is something amongst the people in the EXP. Well, you're you're frankly, I didn't know you prior to this podcast, and you're just like virtually all the other EXP people we ran into. You've been up the mountain. You've been down the mountain. You're now thinking in terms of um, your family. You're thinking in terms of profit. You're thinking mm-hmm. like an entrepreneur and a business owner. Whereas everybody else still seems to be stuck in this weird, you know, I use the term echo chamber, but it really is, where they're all sort of pursuing these egotistical goals that have nothing to do with profit. And that's where a vast majority of the world, of the real estate world, seems to be caught. But they're slowly migrating out of that. It almost seems like the best, most entrepreneurial, service minded folks are gravitating towards EXP. I'm probably going to get criticized for saying everything I just did, but that is my sense of it. That's what I feel when I'm running to these other EXP agents. It's a different environment, money aside. The fact that you become a shareholder aside, the fact that there's revenue, share, the fact that the cap is so much, I mean, there's a fun question. <laughs> Let's keep it practical, tactical. Your cap went from over 100000 to what when you moved over to EXP?
2: Oh, you know what? Um, I haven't actually looked at that number recently because, <gasps> you know, we've had, yeah, isn't this great though? No, but I, I don't even think about it as an expense anymore. It's actually now it's just an investment, right? It's money that we're putting oh,
1: straight that's true. towards it's our right? That was awesome what you just said, but explain <laughs> to the listeners why it's an investment. Tell them about Icon. I hadn't even thought of that. It's brilliant.
2: Yeah, well, we okay. So, you, if you're a capper, and you know, in the in the industry, we know that if we pay our cap off, and when we hit a hundred percent and all that good stuff, um, you know, you're celebrated in the company that you're in, and you're like, yay, good job, you you made it, and now you're now you get to keep your commissions. Now, I really feel bad when people never hit a hundred percent, but you know, again. We'll let them stay where they're at, and that's totally fine. But for us, we, we, you know, we were always capping. And, you know, I mean, in, in our world, it was like, let's cap in a month. Let's see if we can do it in, you know, six weeks or less. You know, that was like our goal for, for us. Um, so now when we cap, we turn around. The company sends you – basically they reimburse your cap in stock. So we recently hit Icon, and that's what EXP, you know, calls you when you hit your, you know, hit your cap – um, we turn around like the next month we had a bunch of shares sitting in our account that we got to like watch grow. Um, and so like, honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but I don't even, I don't even think about that anymore. It's like, it's, it's a non-issue. Cause now it's, it's an investment. It's not like you sit and think about, you know, how much did my policy grow, you know, over the last, like, you know, you don't always stop and check your stock and everything, but now it's just like one of those things. I just know that I'm putting money aside and it's going towards, retirement um, well some since they're going want go ahead
1: Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to remind them. They're going to want to know what you're talking about. She's talking about the ICON program, and she's talking about the caps. She's talking about the commission splits and all that stuff. Um, it's easy to have a conversation with something like, someone like Shereen because she just knows this stuff. A lot of you guys are EXP curious. Go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP, or I guess it's a word, three letters, EXP, to 31996, and then you'll be able to watch that quick video. It will give you more drill-down information. The video is only seven minutes. You, most of you are listening to us right now off your mobile devices, you can just go ahead and hit, um, you know, text 31996. It won't disconnect you from the podcast, and just text the word EXP to 31996. It'll text you, text you back a seven-minute video, and you can watch that video right away, uh, or you can watch it after you've obviously listened to our podcast today. So I'm sorry. What were you about to say?
2: Well, I was going to say, too, for us, you know, we were looking at it strictly from this is our team, and this is what each of our teammates pays as a cap, you know, Um, and since we came over, I mean, we came over, we brought a bunch of people with us. Um, you know, there was three other teams that came over our group um, in, you know, my specific group, we have over 48 people, um, as a whole group, there's over almost 137, eight, nine or something like that of us already in the last 10 months that have, that have made the switch. So, so it's not, it's kind of like comparing apples and Oranges, you know, it's not exactly the same. I'm not even, I'm not looking at it the same. So I guess, I don't know if that really answers your question. Of <laughs> Well,
1: so you, you, you personally have sponsored 48 people. Is that what you said on your, you personally have sponsored we, 48 we, people?
2: I have, I have personally brought in 13, but in my group, we have 48. Um, and okay. part of what I did too, and you know, again, we're getting a little bit um, into some of the minutia, but the way that we built our right. team was we, we built under each other. So then I'm mm-hmm. giving, you know, I, I put, I've got staff that have been with me for, you know, seven years. So I put them at my first level and then I'd put teammates underneath them. And that's how I'm giving them a raise. They're boosting. And then the whole team wins together. It's not just about me. It's not just about Jamie, you know? So that's, this is our philosophy and this is how we operate, right? So.
1: Well, that goes back to what you question, said, though. I, I think, mean, yeah. that goes back. Yeah. You're able to basically, so. so you're now making, you know, profit off of obviously selling real estate. I'm sure you've got other ancillary things you're making money off of from your real estate practice but you're being given stock awards, and you're probably buying eXp Mm -hmm. stock at a discount, which you're allowed to do for every transaction you do. Listeners, are you listening? I'm rattling off ways. She's making money now that she's an eXp agent. (laughs) Technically, she pays in her cap, but because she's icon, she qualifies for icon, then she gets her cap back. So she's basically 100%. She gets the cap back in the form of eXp stock. Are you listening, listeners? And then she's making money from the revenue share. I'm probably forgetting some other ways, but at the end of the day, one of the things we uh, teach our – and guys, this is a big section in Harris Rules book, so make sure you grab that at Barnes & Noble or Amazon, is we talked about the importance of creating an, uh, a lead generation wheel, right, where you have multiple spokes creating a multiple steady stream of uh, leads for you. And you know, we tell you which ones to build first, grab the book. But the same analogy applies to having consistent income. So if you want to be financially independent where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. This is a brilliant sort of done-for-you path to follow. Uh, you and I were I, – no, actually, it was a prior call. If you think about the potential for what you're doing right now versus if you've just been out buying tons of rental properties or things like this, the risk-reward equation of what, you're, what you've created for yourself, you and Jamie, is astounding. So I congratulate you for all your success. And I'm i am so happy. Sincerely, I'm sincerely thrilled for you guys. To be on this path because you know. Imagine where you're going to be. You you love international travel, so do Julie and I. Imagine where you're going to be a year <laughs> from now or two years from now because all the benefits you're getting from all the people yeah. you're helping, from the work, from the environment you've created, it's amazing. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, congratulations to you guys too. You guys are amazing, and I'm I'm really honored, honestly, to be invited to to chat with you today. So thanks again for that.
1: And by the way, you did great. You were giving your hus- I've never spoken to your, with your husband before, and you were giving him all the credit for being the demonstrative, gregorious one. I thought you were fantastic. So you, <laughs> <laughs> <Thank laughs> he must be, he must be bouncing right. off the walls though. So maybe I should get him on the podcast too. So if, uh, uh, anything really else you'd brilliant.
2: like
1: to say? I'm sure he is To be married to was- you, he has to be. <laughs>
2: yes. He's he's a, he's, a, he's a smart man. What can I say? Um, I will say this: the thing that we yes. have really enjoyed is the the potential is great, and yes, it's a new company, and there's, you know, there's bumps, and, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but I think the the sense of freedom and the hope and the actual exit strategy and actual retirement is, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just absolutely life-giving. It's kind of like breathing a second wind into us where, you know, the before now, it was just sell more houses, right? Well, <laughs> Okay, but that's kind of tired, right? We've all done that. We've been selling more houses every year, you know, year after year. So that's been probably the the most exciting part about it, honestly.
1: You know, I just had someone text me, that, and this is one of our analytical listeners saying that uh, you didn't say what your number three thing was. That you wish you would have told yourself. This is how astute our listeners are. But and I'm going it, to it, guess that the number three. Oh, they watch me. Trust me. And every time I use a bad word, I get criticized <laughs> for it. <laughs> so, but I'm going to guess. I would guess the third thing would have been you would have said yes to exp sooner. Is that is that a true statement?
2: That, I took notes. I wrote it down. Number three. We should have come sooner. Ah, Absolutely. that's hilarious. We should have come sooner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then I'm going to have enough. to drill
1: down. Yep. I, I, can't, I can't end it there. Why didn't you? That's you hilarious.
2: Know, um, well, I think for us, there was just – there was a lot of pieces that had to fall into place you know, because I'm, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, marketing, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to print new signs. And we had just hit our cap. And, you know, so there's all these moving pieces when you've got a whole team, and you're thinking, you know, my lead agent, he just hit his cap. So now what, what are we going to like, make him start over, you know, so that was part of our decision making process. But truly, it was, I just wanted everybody to be on board. And, you know, not everybody makes decisions really quickly, right? Um, I and and I you know it's important to me to trust those that we've surrounded ourselves with you know our sales director our marketing manager our transaction mm-hmm. manager my husband and I there there's more than just me right there's more than mm-hmm. just him so it just took time we just needed to do our due diligence and um but again would I have done it sooner if I knew now absolutely absolutely
1: that's the biggest regret that i hear from everyone by the way that one thing that they would have moved faster and that's and in that in the, you know i think it's kind of in the same out of regrets is that they would have taken the opportunity to create multiple sources of income more seriously quicker and that that's when, mm-hmm. when you run into people, those are the two things. They wish they would have done it sooner and they wish they would have engaged at a higher level faster. So for those of you who are ready to engage, I strongly suggest you just text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. Hey, I was serious about getting your uh, husband on the podcast. If you're interested, just have him text me or um, yeah, <laughs> reach right. out. I really enjoy getting Absolutely. to know you. It was wonderful and I'm so much looking forward to um sitting down and buying you a glass of wine if you drink, if not coffee. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, we drink, but I'm more of a whiskey gal, so I'll
1: take oh, you up my. <laughs>
2: we'll get everybody together. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so, so listeners I
1: Oh, it's been my absolute honor. And listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this as much as I did. This was great. This is the reason I like doing these interviews, especially when I don't know the person because I don't know what they're going to say. It's so much fun. I hope you guys are not being overly skeptical um, when you hear somebody promoting a particular brand. I hope you're seeing through your ego's resistance to really uh, the idea of change, and you're realizing what she was, and I were talking about is the opportunity to create a financial future for yourself. If you're not on the path uh... where you want to be financially if you don't even know what path you're supposed to be on financially it's your time try- it's it's absolutely i was going to say your time to figure that out it's way beyond time for you to figure that out Because take it from your wise old friend tim here's what you're going to discover the older you get the harder it is for you to create financial opportunities for yourself in general in life and what exp has done in because frankly it's at the right time right place for all of you it's created a financial path forward that's so far beyond what most of you could ever create independently through doing you know, rental properties or all the rest of it. That's not me trying to challenge your egos or me trying to get you to be mad at me for saying it. It's just a simple fact. The brilliance behind that company is like nothing I've ever seen in the decades that Julie and I have been involved in real estate. I strongly encourage you, no matter what brand, what broker, what market, what price range, what level of experience, whether you're a new agent, whether you're, you know, it doesn't matter. You've got to take, the, take a serious look at this. They're, in our opinion, um, eXp Realty is the last, best opportunity of most of our professional lifetimes. If you're listening and you're 12, well, that might not be a true statement for you. But for the vast majority of us, that is a true statement. So take this seriously. If you'd like more information on eXp, text word EXP to 31996. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.
0: This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching.